0: Hey y'all, it's Keisha. Before we start today's episode, a quick disclaimer. This episode was recorded prior to learning about the actions of Disney executives and the purposeful erasure of queer stories from Pixar titles. We still love and appreciate the Turning Red team for all of their hard work, but unfortunately we cannot support it with the same passion we initially did due to the homophobic actions of executives behind the scenes. Queer folks have made Disney what it is, both as employees and as fans. And if Disney wants our continued support, they need to hop off the fence and take a stand with us against homophobia and transphobia. That being said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode.
1: Hi, welcome to Off Color Commentary, your go-to podcast for all things media, culture, and politics. We're your hosts.
0: April. Keisha.
1: Tora. And I'm Meha. Today, we're going to be discussing Pixar's Turning Red, Keen Wolf's Revival and Arden Cho, and the historical and present mistreatment
2: of women of color in Hollywood. But first, what have you guys been up to this week? Hi, finishing Bridgerton, which isn't a secret because we get screeners. And then I have... Wait, can awesome... we talk about it now? Is it? I mean, technically, we're allowed to do features. Okay. Right? But mm.
1: isn't sentiment still embargoed until the 20th? <laughs>
2: Always a fine line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yes, we have we do have access to Bridgerton. We have watched it, and they did publicize some information. Wow, oh, so actually, I'm th-
2: surprised by how much.
0: Yeah, they did. They let the people know about the fact that Cubby Kushi Cub- uh, Cubby, Cubby Gum is part of the orchestral track, and Meha and I had a very emotional reaction to that. Oh, we're not yes. going to the- give you the context of what happened there or when it takes place, but I- it hit. It hit every day. Here is. In my body. Tears were shed. <laughs> Tears were absolutely shed. Other than Bridgerton, what have you been up to? Because I'm sure we can't go too much into detail there.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, So outside of Bridgerton, I have also been working (laughs) at school, getting a few interviews here and there because I'm always out of school. If you're a teacher, you know the struggle, you know, and I don't know if I'm going to make it through this year. So I'm trying to leave um, before this year is over and just packing. I spend hours a day packing. It feels like I've not been very exciting this week.
0: And this week has been challenging as hell. I will say. like Thursday last week, I was just tired. And I genuinely, the only thing that really got me through it was the Batman, surprisingly. I went and saw the Batman at like 11 am at sort of situation. I was one of three people in the entire audit like theater or whatever. Can I just say, we need to bring back intermissions because that movie was long as fuck, y'all. Almost three hours, okay? I had to pee the entire time.
2: I actually haven't seen the Batman yet. You haven't? This is the first time in forever that I haven't seen a um, DC or Marvel release the same day or, you know, how they do the nighttime premieres Um, and it's because I am like a dummy actually waiting to see it with my person, but he's out of town. So, I have to wait until this weekend.
0: (laughs) Holding you back. Also, we're pretty fortunate, like, most of the times we do get, you know, invites to press screenings, Like we see them pretty early. So that's also been great for us in terms of like COVID safety, because any of the press screenings I've been to, they've been very strict about having your COVID passport, having your identification to prove it's you. There's very minimal people in the theater itself. But uh, this time around, I guess like with Warner Media, we were just going back and forth with them. And they had so much to do with this release. I I didn't push the screening because we already had the coverage planned, but it surprised me. Batman really surprised me with how well it pulled the story. One of my TikTok mutuals, Amanda—that's Amanda, Amanda Just Vibe—and y'all should check her out. Made a little review video where she was like, "The crustification of Bruce Wayne," and that is the most accurate, the most apt description of Bruce Wayne throughout this movie. He is awkward and just grungy. It is hilarious to watch the I feel movie. Like that's I,
2: the way Bruce Wayne should be, though. Like, I know that we've always seen him as like this suave playboy type, yeah. but like any billionaire who adopts random kids to turn them into his sidekicks is definitely not his, his child soldiers like it's not it's not realistic i'm sorry
0: because i was watching i went and watched a movie with rosalyn who was just on our sailor moon roundtable, uh, round table and i was talking to her i was like this is very different than you know like the playboy interpretation of bruce it was different but very entertaining and I honestly, I found the movie to be hilarious. I don't think it was int- intentionally funny, but it was hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say is, there were I made a TikTok myself. I was like, "There's two mo- two actors in this entire movie. It's Zoe Kravitz and Rob's like Rob Pattinson's eye- eyelashes because you can mm-hmm. see those bitches everywhere, everywhere. Because you can see so them wild. in the dark. I don't know the. <laughs> Like, clock springs just long and curled. <laughs> oh, okay. So the one thing I will give them credits for, because I don't want to, like, ramble on Batman forever. We have, a like, we had to discuss turning red and everything else. You know, do y'all remember the last season of Game of Thrones where everyone was talking about how it's too dark? Yep. Matt Reeves put his whole revussy in that bitch because it was dark, but you could still see everything perfectly.
2: Oh, so they learned how to light?
0: <laughs> they learned how to light, and they did it well. Because wow. there's scenes in the movie where... um The use of lighting is done really well because they never shy away from having a scene be well lit. But the way the light is cast on the actors, artistic. There's a scene that sticks out to me because uh, Bruce and Selena are like standing against a like it's dawn and the sun is rising. And when you look at Bruce, it's not like he's well lit. The setting is well lit. He's still in the shadows. And that was just perfect. Because he is the shadow. And um. (laughs) You see Selena take up more of an active role in the film, which is beautiful. Zoe Kravitz did the damn thing. She was so fine. That's she brought so out that.
2: Excited for her.
0: She brought out the leather and the whips, and I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, but it was really well done. I was talking about it in our Twitter chat. I was like, I'm excited if this is the direction DC's going in with their movies, I'm excited.
2: There have been after the very positive reception so far. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of um tweets saying that WB is, oops, sorry. That WB really is leaning
0: towards um director-led films. Yeah, they uh, they made like a statement about it that we I shared. I think it was just like talking about how they're going to be focusing more <gasps> on hiring directors they what's up? You're Google screen was beautiful. Oh, my God. Side tangent, if y'all have... Okay, so Google does this thing where it gave you the option of, like, it will pick your your Google theme for you. Mm -hmm. And I selected one where it was, like, just images and, like, photography done by Black artists. Every single day has been a fucking hit. I didn't know you could
2: filter through it i have i've had the same background image for a while it's a black lady i didn't know you Mm -hmm. could
0: get them to change you can it is it's beautiful if y'all are if y'all use google chrome check it out every day i wake up to a new image it is breathtaking and it's not just like this one is you know it's red it's photography there's some that are more like artistic and more just like impressions but and some are very cartoony it's very it's very nice but what was I I'm saying? i switching Warner- right
2: now. Keep going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the Warner Media thing. They did say that uh, they were going with more director-led films. One thing that really excites me outside of just Batman is um, we know that Warner is also partnering with the uh, Black Beauty roster, which is like, I believe it's 10,000 Black makeup and hair artists that work in film and TV. And I think that now I'm not going to give I'm not going to get too hopeful because. Companies have let us down before, but I do think that Warner Media is making some very smart choices with the creative direction they're going
2: in. Very excited, though, about the Black Beauty Roster Partnership. It is 10,000, by the way, mm-hmm. and they've been vetted. Um, but I've just seen far too many TV shows and movies and all of that great stuff where the lead, not even like, you know, the extras or whatnot, but the lead actress will say, oh, I had to learn how to do my own hair. I had to do my own makeup because the artists that they sent for us didn't know how to work with Black skin and didn't know how to work with Black hair. I've actually been very excited about that. I remember, like, for example, since we were just talking about DC, Candace Patton saying that for, like, the first season of The Flash, at least, she had to do her own makeup because the makeup artists just did not have the skill for her. So mm. very excited, very excited about that.
0: And that's that's the conversation that sort of, like, seamlessly goes into our next topic of discussion, which is just, like, you know, the general mistreatment of women of color, Black women, non-Black women of color and. Hollywood, outside of just Warner and DC and the like the CW shows, we've heard it from uh Candace, we've heard it from Kat Graham. Kat Graham talks about how being on the vampire diaries did like severe damage to her scalp and her hair. And Jakara Smith, who was on Nosferatu, has talked about how the wig that they gave her and the way that they were doing her hair wasn't well done which is really disappointing because i'm like y'all have the budget for this and it's not like these things are ridiculously expensive i've seen people literally buy a 30 dollar synthetic lace front from amazon and that shit gives scalp
2: (laughs) let's let's discuss though let's discuss how Mm -hmm. this um this initiative doesn't just help because you were talking about like wigs giving scalp but this initiative doesn't just help wb it also actually should inspire every single last production company to do the same i was thinking about the new Tyler Perry film and how Tyler or Medea should I say Medea is always giving scalp it's always like it's going never a hair. bad wig okay never but the women the women who are surrounding her on the other hand if they're wearing wigs it's very much wow what floor did you pick that off of it's, <laughs> it's, it's, never, it's never a good look it's never something that I would want to see So, yeah, this is I'm, again, just very excited about this whole revival, should
0: I say. I don't have the exact statistics in front of me, but wasn't there a little while back there there was like a study and there were some articles written about how black hair artists and other women of color, uh, black women who do like makeup, they aren't approved as much or like accepted into like unions or given like positions on on cruise or something like that. I know there, no. there were some statistics out there which said that it, they made it basically impossibly hard because they don't fit like certain license standards or whatever. Because braiders or like wig stylists and all, like it's not approved by like cosmetology schools or whatever as much. Something yeah.
2: Like that. So the thing is that a lot of black people or a lot of braiders, let's say that a lot of braiders, especially mm-hmm. black braiders, um, they typically actually. I'm not going to say a lot of them, but a lot of them that I know um, are not licensed cosmetologists, which is mm-hmm. why, for example, if you've ever wondered why your braider tells you to come washed and blow dry, it's because in order to wash and blow dry, you have to be a licensed cosmetologist. Okay. But So they're not licensed cosmetologists, which means that they are not technically allowed on these sets, even if they're like at the prime of their skill set. They're the best of the best. They're the best to ever do it. And some of that is just because of the the, you know, beauty school isn't necessarily the most common place that people go to and people often overlook it, but it's not really accessible for everybody. Like you might not have had the money to be able to afford to go to beauty school. And then by the time you did have the money, what was the point? Because, you know, I'm already braiding, I'm making, I have clients, I'm making all this money, et cetera, et cetera. Why am I going back? And I just feel like you just, if you're the best of the best, should you have to, you know, have a license or is there not a way that we can work around a certain requirements for licensure um, to enable these very talented people access to these very limited fields. It's just, for a lot of Black people, hair is so important. For every Black woman I know, hair is very important. Like, it was so important that after I got a pressing curl, if I didn't have a, an umbrella and it was raining, I would literally wear a plastic bag over my head because you can't mess up your hair. I just, I just think there are a lot of nuances in how we gatekeep Certain positions in certain fields, especially in Hollywood, and I think you have to be unionized as well.
0: I believe so. Yes. Uh, part of my day job, I do work in like production, and a lot of like job, you know, like job posts will come across my desk. One thing I'll, a lot of times, I'll have to do is like I have to go back to people and I'm like, hey, we need to know if this is if this is union or non union, because uh, like we can only promote it promote it accordingly. And like the organization I work for, we're trying to like you know get more people of color, more Black folks, Indigenous folks into production spaces. It is so fucking challenging. Because people will approach us and be like, oh, we need X, Y, and Z. Cool, cool, cool. We can get you people for those roles. But like, what are you paying? What is the contract term? Union or non-union? Those details are not shared. Those qualifications are difficult to, co- to come by when you're a person of color to begin with. And it's also like, absolutely like,
2: difficult to get because union membership is very specific, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you have to have um, either 60 days of non-union work or like three of the most recent five years or 30 30 days of union work in the last year, and they all have to be with the same person. So for example, say I'm coming into work and I'm working with, I don't know, Viola Davis, right? And I worked for Viola Davis for 59 days, but for whatever reason, production ends before I can get that 60th day, I would come up short unless she hired me in that same year to do or in the next two years to do another production for her. And who's to say that's going to happen? Like, this, it's so specific.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, literally, my barber. My barber and I were talking about just, like, working in the entertainment industry. And he's talked about how he's been hired to, you know, do, like, hair and beards and stuff for shows. He said that, like, for him, getting recognized, getting those opportunities, it took forever. Like, he had to basically build a network of people he knew in the industry who were, like, doing on-screen work or who were in management positions to be, like, put his name forward so he could get enough days to be eligible for Mm things. Like, this is a grown man. He... Got wife and kids, runs his own business. And I'm like, we're all just out here struggling. Goddamn.
2: It's like. It's like how they're always like, okay, we need you to have like an entry-level position We'll ask you for five years of experience, right? But how mm. am I supposed to get the five years of experience if no entry-level position will hire me? It's like that, but with hair and make.
0: <laughs> oh, listen, let's not even get started on like inaccess- like job inaccessibility because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about, you know, like influencer work and consulting. And we were both talking about like how there's, specifically in the context of us, we're like, and I am not a humble bitch, so let me just stand in my narcissistic light I was like, wow, I'm brilliant. I have these great ideas that could be of great use to production companies who are doing these projects that I think I would be great for. But how do you get to that? How do you like go from sitting here on this podcast to, hey- Let's go with an example, Netflix with the Avatar, the live action show. Like, how do you go from sitting here to Netflix? Be like, hey, you should hire me because I have track record of this, 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 this. And I can provide you with these services and it will make your show great. There's There's no no clear clear path of
2: entry laid out. No.
0: Yes. Uh Thank you for that. Thank you. Like, that's what I was looking for. There is there is no clear path of entry. You just have to know people.
2: Yeah, that's on purpose. Hollywood is a boys club, right? Or let's not say a boys club, but that's what it used to be. And now Mm -hmm. it's a who do you know club, right? Who do you know who can boost you? That's why I think recently there was this conversation about, what is it called when you have a parent and the parent pulls you into the, what is that called? Nepotism? Yes, there was this conversation popping up. Thank you. (laughs) There's this conversation popping up recently about nepotism because people were realizing that some of the new kids, in quotation marks, popping up are just nepotism babies. But that's Mm -hmm. all Hollywood is and that's all Hollywood has been for literally generations. If we want to look at a super good, famous example, right? We can look at Carrie Fisher. Mm -hmm. People like really ignore the fact and I love Carrie, my princess forever, right? But Carrie Fisher's daughter, I don't know if people really know this because they have different last names, is Billy Lord. And then... Uh, Carrie Fisher's mom, right, is Debbie Reynolds. And so you literally just have this Hollywood royalty going back into the literal Hollywood royalty days where everything was in black and white and Hollywood stardom was a, a whole different ball game. And it's just it's the same. Like when we look at Beyonce and Blue Ivy already having Grammys, there's a reason for that, right? Would would another kid have had the same access to be able to record an audiobook at nine or eight as blue ivy did because she's blue ivy so part of the part of the the problem is just that the doors are blocked because there are already a line of hollywood kids in the way
0: yeah and the thing is like people when we talk about nepotism a lot of people get really over like really defensive because they're like no but this is a good person like they're talented i was like those things are not mutually exclusive Mm -hmm. like y'all want an example of autism that is rarely talked about nicole kidman
2: oh my god
0: Like the wealth that her family has, the access her family has. I'm pretty sure, I don't have the exact, I, I was talking about it with a friend a while back. Doesn't her family own like a ridiculous amount of land across the globe?
2: Mm hmm. She, her father was, I believe, a biochemist. And I think that he had originally been in Hawaii. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. So I think father was a biochemist. They were in Hawaii at some point. And then, like, they managed to amass a shit ton of money via his work mm-hmm. as a biochemist. And it just kind of spiraled into this greatness. That we see
0: yeah. here. And again, like this takes nothing away from her as an actor. She's a phenomenal actor in every every single role I've seen her in, even the fucking Golden Compass, okay? That movie <laughs> was trash, but she stood the fuck out. It doesn't eliminate the fact that, like, the levels of privilege and the levels of action she had, we will never have. Or uh, Zoe Kravitz, another example, talented oh, actor. My
2: favorite.
0: <laughs> also a nepotism baby. We have 100%, though. Alexander Skarsgård. We have Billie Eilish. It's like the list goes on and, and on. It's crazy
2: how, like, secret it is. So this isn't talked about a lot, right? But Taylor Swift is actually, in a way, a nepotism baby as well. She doesn't come from, like, a famous Hollywood family, but her family is independently extremely wealthy. I believe that they were, like, her, her grandparents were an opera singer and, um, an entrepreneur who owned a ton of different businesses. Right. And that Mm -hmm. level of, and her dad, her dad is a stockbroker and her mom worked um, for Merrill Lynch. No, dad was a stockbroker for Merrill Lynch and her mom was a mutual fund executive. That's a lot of money. And a lot of money puts you in a different stratosphere. It puts well, you in the room, even if you were not, you know what I mean? I think that's a part of nepotism that's also overlooked because a lot of the times we think, oh, it's just an actor's kid or it's a singer's kid. No, it's people who have the money to make these connections. Because another reason to bring it back to like the black hair issue, right? Mm-hmm. Another reason why um, makeup artists and are just so unable to really break into this field is because the fact that the majority of Hollywood pro- or Hollywood productions happen in Los Angeles, this is made the, the industry is a wealth contest. For lack of a better way to put this, if you don't have somebody who can financially support you for the time that it's going to take you to get in the number of jobs that you have to take, you're SLO, right? And a lot of Black people, and not even just Black people, but people of color in general, cannot afford to not go without money because they don't have family support
0: or family resources. Okay, but can we talk about that? Because I want to bring it back to the specific point you mentioned about, like, uh, getting certifications. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you mentioned, like, you know, a lot of times braiders, like, they need the money, like they'll get clients. And when they have the resources to go to school, they're like, I already have clients. Can we talk about the fact that going to school takes away from your finances? And it's not just because of tuition. No, it's mm-hmm. because of the hours you need to dedicate to your actual course load, mm-hmm. to the examinations, yeah. to the coursework. Like you're not just paying tuition and living an easy life. No, you, your bills don't stop. You got you got tuition, you got rent, you got bills. You might have kids. You might have a car car note. All of that shit compounds and creates more barriers to certification. Yep. And
2: I think the beauty school is anywhere between five to fifteen thousand dollars, so it's not a cheap investment. You have yeah, to. Yeah,
0: like, I'm pretty sure that that's that's what it cost for me to like for a year of my neuroscience undergrad. And that's in Canada. Like, I'm pretty sure in America, that's going to be even more expensive. God forbid that you don't have the ability to pay for that or like you can't take out a loan for that. There are just
2: so many things that stand in the way. And then the real gag is that I know that the union, IETC, is the union, right? The union... It does offer classes on how to work with textured hair and how to um, work with different skin tones and different skin textures, but it actually can't require completion of those seminars. And so usually what happens is the people who need to take the course are not the ones taking the course. And the people who've already been working with these skin tones and textures and different hair types, they are the ones taking the course that they don't actually need. It's not even that the union isn't offering for people to become more knowledgeable and be able to work with these different textures and colors and all that great stuff. People are just choosing, as usual, to not take advantage of what's offered to them.
0: Listen, (laughs) that's a whole other conversation of people just accepting mediocrity because they don't need to do more. Mm-hmm. Speaking of me- accepting mediocrity, can we talk about Arden Cho and how she refused to accept mediocrity? And then Teen Wolf just proceeded to be like, cool, we're just going to hire another Asian and we're going to pay them more. And they did.
2: Well, they didn't, but you know.
0: <laughs> like the they ridiculousness have- to go up to Arden Cho and be like, hey, you know what? You were a serious regular, you were a fan favorite. We're going to pay you half.
2: And the only, the only main woman of color on the show for its entire run, she was it. So I am really confused as to why they thought it was acceptable, especially when they know that this revival was going to be such a big draw. They were going to make their money back. Whatever they spent, they were going to make it back. So it's crazy to me that they couldn't be bothered to give her what everybody else was going to receive.
1: It's bizarre to me as well, because she's arguably one of the bigger names. Even mm. if you're looking at it purely from like a, a numbers game mm-hmm. of the cast members. She's. I've not watched Teen Wolf. I know who Arden Cho is. I've followed Arden Cho in other movies. So it's wild to me that that didn't count for anything. They were still comfortable underselling her like that.
0: Not comfortable, not just comfortable, confident and saying that, you know what, you're not going to take it. We're going to hire someone else. The gall, the unmitigated gall to be like, and she's not,
2: she's not, she's also not a newbie, right? Like she's been working, she had been working for years before Teen Wolf. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, <laughs> it's it's crazy
0: and you know what's gonna happen now it's gonna flop I I manifest a, a, a flop honestly and I want I want to be very
2: clear that people will say oh it's because Styles isn't in it um and if you don't know Styles you know he's what's that man's name Dylan, Dylan O'Brien Dylan yeah, O'Brien he's yeah he's Dylan O'Brien oh it's because Styles isn't in it maybe maybe that's a part of it but also
0: yes but why like why isn't Styles in it oh it's because Dylan is the only like one of the few people who was like oh cool she's not getting paid with morals too. yeah that's fine.
2: Which is what every, which is what every, like, seriously, if you are a white person who is thinking of breaking into the industry, even if you're not breaking into this specific industry, if you are a white person in any industry, which means you, you listen to this, right, you have to be willing to take a quote unquote hit if you're actually about equality, right? Right. Mm -hmm. like because the only way that we actually fix the problems that are inherent in every workplace and every work condition is if the people who are getting the most are willing to say i'm not going to do this until you help the people who are getting the least i know there was this big fuss about i cannot remember who did this but there was one of the male male lead actors who was splitting his salary with one of the lead actresses in order to bring her pay up he shouldn't have had to do that in fact like it never it never like he did it I'm grateful that he did it. I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he took a stance. But what would have been more effective was to literally say, I'm not going to sign on to this until there's pay equality across the board.
0: Wasn't there a white actor who did that when he was starring with Octavia Spencer? Yes. Because I remember that Octavia, like Octavia and the actor, I cannot remember her name. I believe she's one of the right head actors. Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> but, yes. Yeah. Because both of like Jessica was like, cool, cool, cool. We're tied to each other. You get paid what I get. And I that, need that that's what needs to
2: happen. That's what needs to happen across the board. If we have the same amount of lines or the same amount of screen time, or we're both like in the same place in the credits, then we both Mm -hmm. need to be getting the same amount of money. But too often, too many people are happy with taking what's for them and ignoring what is happening to other people at the cost of providing them this extra.
0: And the thing is, it's not just limited to acting. We've seen that happen with Publishing Paid Me. When that tag was trending, there were white authors who were like, oh, I can't really talk about it. I was like, no, no, No. Speak your piece. If you want to be about diversity, if you want to be about inclusivity, tell us what publishing paid you.
2: But they don't want to be there at the cost of their own, at the cost of their own potential success. And that's the problem. We overlook this one very specific aspect of big movements for change, right? Like Change for Disability Act or, um, or the Civil Rights Movement. All of those relied on allies who were not disabled or who were not of color or who were not experiencing the specific problems that the people who were protesting were. But you we need we need y'all to step in as allies because they don't they don't see us already. That's the right. problem. And they already don't see us.
1: Allyship has to it it's a verb. It's not a it's not an adjective. You have to do something with it. It's not enough to just mm-hmm. say, oh I'm here to listen or I'm here to create space. If you've got any kind of sway, if that means I'm not going to sign on to this. I'm going to risk my pay. I'm going to risk this. If that's something you have the capacity to do and obviously do in a way that's not detrimental to you. But if you're Jessica Chastain, if you're someone, if you're Dylan O'Brien, if you're probably the most famous member of the cast, that's going to have so much more sway than something someone without your reach can achieve. So sometimes it's going to take making some kind of quote unquote sacrifice. It's going to take making some kind of uncomfortable or self-sacrifice. Decision, but that's how movements are made. That is how progress happens.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, like, specifically in the context of Arden and show, I'm really disappointed with Tyler Posey because if he said, "I'm not doing this unless everyone is paid <laughs> the equitably," main
1: isn't Tyler Posey out on Twitter asking people to pay his stepsister's college tuition? He so certainly I think, is. I think he Tyler Posey is.
2: has <laughs> other problems. <laughs> that's probably, And I will say that's probably part of the reason why he was not willing to put himself on the line because, it. again, we have to talk about you have to be willing to make potentially personal sacrifices in order for to achieve the greater good. Right. But like for him, this money is the difference between his sister going to school and not. And so the he, thing is, it's
0: no, 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 no. <laughs> because even when he signed the the movie deal he didn't foot the bill for his stepsister going to college Sweet. he was asking for donations he was he was auctioning time with him to the highest bidder it, it was very much like don't be sad mama we can research grants together that's the energy oh, it was
2: Lord. oh my god let us not don't bring oh, me back god
0: to that. that's <laughs> the energy that's it was her. but I digress. Okay. We've seen this shit happen over and over and motherfucking over again. We've heard Candace Payton talk about inequity in the workplace. We've heard Viola Davis talk about how people compare her to Meryl Streep all the time, but she's not getting that Meryl Streep check.
2: Oh my God. like
0: It's exhausting to see it over and over, but I lack the words to express my frustration. More than that, I lack the words to express what we can do about it. Because I genuinely don't know what we could do about it.
1: This is the thing. It's it's not going to be us. It has to be people who have some level of privilege. It has to be people who have that access because uh-huh. we can do what we want. But while people of color or people with limited financial reach are restrained by those kind of boundaries, that's not going to upset the status quo without allies putting the work in and making the
0: sacrifices. And Ooh, I want like you, Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, if y'all really want to be about it, we need you to be the Jessica the Jessica Chastain in the room. We need you to be the Ed, the Ed screen in the room. Like, y'all remember when they were making that little Hellboy reboot, they cast a white man to play an Asian character. Mm-hmm. And instead mm-hmm. of pulling a Scarlett Johansson, Ed was like, <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drop out, and you're uh, going to cast an Asian person. He passed up a check.
2: I think all the time, like literally all the time, I think that um, people think that how do I say? How do I say? I think that sometimes the messaging can be confusing, right? Because if you're Mm -hmm. a white person, obviously I'm not a white person, don't get it twisted, but if you're a white person (laughs) and you've heard, okay, I need you to be my ally, but allyship doesn't mean that you speak over me. It means that you highlight my voice, right? Then maybe you're afraid to open your mouth. Okay. And I get that. But like, also there are spaces where only your voice is the one that's acknowledged. Only your voice is the one that's heard because you're the only one in the room. So when you're the only one in the room, even you need to open your mouth. And when I say promote my voice, I mean, if I'm not there in my absence, do the things for me that I would do for myself. Like, and I think that's the part that's missing. And so that's why it's happening so like few and far between where you have these white people who are saying, yeah, I have this access and I have this power and I have this money, but in quotation marks, I don't know how to use it. You do know how to use it. You're just not taking the mic when it's given to you, right? You're all about activism when the world is watching you, when it's TikTok or Twitter or, um, I don't know, some other video platform or an interview, but you're not actually putting in the work behind the scenes when nobody can see you, when it's not necessarily worth your time. And that's the biggest problem that I see happening right now.
1: Absolutely.
0: Like, this could be This could be a sermon, a webinar (laughs) of just like, these are the ways you can help us. But the thing is, how many of you all are going to tune in? Because this is something that we hear over and over again, whenever something happens of like, how can we help? What can we do? Teach us. Okay, we'll teach you. But when are are y'all doing the homework? Never. You can't just show up to class with a blank look on your face, just, you know, and like play devil's advocate for like the participation mark. We need you to do the homework. We need you to like actually do the shit yourselves.
2: Always asking us to educate y'all. but not actually doing anything once we do.
0: And we've seen, we've seen that shift when it comes to like the way people of different marginalized groups get treated when something happens. And it's not, again, it's not just entertainment. It's not just music. It's not just publishing. It's. Political too. Like, we, like, with everything going on with Russia, like the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the treatment of people of color, of like African immigrants who were living in Ukraine, who are also trying to flee the country versus white people fleeing the country. It's just like, it's so apparent. And yet, still, no one wants to talk about the racism problem at the borders. Why?
2: Oh, why would they? What's different?
0: What's different? <laughs> Yeah.
2: Like, why would this watching the news coverage of like what's happening in um, Ukraine and watching these news reporters um, not even like hide the quiet part anymore? Right. Can't believe mm-hmm. this is happening in a country where people have blonde hair and blue. What?
0: <laughs> what? The amount of people who I, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but like the amount of people who like outright said this is an ex country this isn't the like Middle East or this isn't this country in Africa. This isn't this country in Asia. I was like, and what about us?
2: Run it back. And the way that they are so proud of the Ukraine for standing up for themselves. And don't get it, I am 100% supportive, right? Of the Ukraine fighting back, doing what they need to do. But let's talk about how we don't have the same conversation when it comes to Palestinians. When Palestinians defend themselves, oh, they're terrorists. When Palestinians defend themselves, it's, oh, they want to keep the Jews from their holy land.
0: What? Like, (laughs) did 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 we forget about the Jewish folk? that are in Palestine? Did we forget about about Palestinian Jewish folks?
2: Obviously. Obviously.
0: It is is the xenophobia. It is the Islamophobia to act like that. Like these are two different situations and that Palestine is the aggressor in this situation. It is so fucked up.
2: Yeah. And I think I just think that because we live in a different time, right? Where Mm -hmm. the news cycle is 24 hours. It has been for a long time. But I think it was easier to ignore the very obvious glaring um, racisms that happened during during wartime when people weren't literally recording it and posting it to TikTok. And that's not controlled by you know MSNBC or Fox or whoever. This is an mm. unfiltered source. This is somebody just watching this happen and choosing to record it and upload it to their social media channels. So we're seeing this from like a real true perspective. And it's just like, wow, never seen it quite in our face like this. And I don't think people know what to do with that.
0: Honestly, okay. Can speaking of people posting their honest reactions on social media. I saw someone talk about how they didn't think World War Three, and I have feelings about the whole like World War Three comparisons because they get brought up all the time. But I understand people are you know trying to like find com- like humor in their anxiety, but that's a whole conversation. Talk about how it wouldn't be started by predominantly white countries. I was like, are, did we miss the history lesson where every other World War was? What also were the first by?
1: first two
2: World Wars?
0: <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm What's I'm sorry, I, I I didn't realize that you know Rwanda <laughs> and India were beefing.
2: Listen, first of all, first of all, what? what non-white country has the finances
0: to start a war for?
2: I didn't even say world war properly, but what non-white country has the finances to do that? Beyond
0: beyond, <laughs> the, beyond starting a new one, I want folks to acknowledge the reason why countries of countries of color were involved in the first two is because they literally owned us and we didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. The re, let me give you all a little Indian history lesson, okay? Because I tweeted about this on the Off Color page. The Indian Revolution for Independence lasted in almost a century. During the First World War, the British promised India that they they promised the South Asian subcontinent, not just India. They promised India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, all the countries that they occupied that we would give you freedom if you fight in our war. Lied. Second time it happened, they're like, "Okay, promise this time we'll do it. And they still didn't want to do it because they fought every every single second of that. The only reason countries of color were involved in the first two world wars is because we didn't have a choice. And that's the same thing that's happening now because they will drag the rest of us into it.
2: And it's just never
0: going to change. I support countries supporting Ukraine because we need to stand up to injustices like that. But the way a lot of governing governing bodies, especially European governing bodies, are going about it, it's really, really aggravating. Because I've seen people in Russia who are also on social media, being like, "Hey, guess what? Your financial san- sanctions that tank the Russian economy—it's not impacting billionaires. It's everyday people who are now going to starve. People who were out in these streets protesting against, like,
2: oh my god, Russian I am so irritated by the sanctions every time I turn around. Netflix is no longer airing in the in the U in Russia. Okay, now now does Putin care about that? Is Netflix choosing not to broadcast in that ne- in in Russia really affecting Putin in any way, shape, or form? Come on." Oh, we're not—we're not, we're not going to be featuring um, in a text containing information from these Russian writers. Are you serious? <laughs> like, are you kidding? Like who 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 is this actually punishing? Are you actually hitting the source of the problem, or are you just touching the fringes and saying, "Oh, let's dip into that hot xenophobia."
0: It's uh. de- it's legitimately for clicks because I've seen people literally tag their fucking like TikTok videos be like "Russian invasion" and it's 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 a get ready with me. And I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" And it's it's not just this because <laughs> last year last year I had a fight with someone on TikTok because they were using Spotlight AAIP uh, AAPI so like Spotlight Asian Americans and islanders as a white person why the fuck are you using spotlight asian americans and pacific islanders like can we use an ounce an ounce of our sense an ounce Mm -hmm. of the sense god gave you to think about it to not use every single political thing to not use every single cultural moment to build yourself some clout and social capital of
2: course they can't because they've always built their social capital on our backs they built their wealth on our backs why would that change now people talk about, oh, TikTok as a platform is driven by, you know, Black creators and creators of color, but it's white people who get paid the most. Ain't that how it's always been?
0: Let's talk about it. (laughs) Because we've we've seen that on a smaller scale with influencer marketing (laughs) and with (laughs) NFTs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: With influencer marketing, um, Pixar's Turning Red comes out this week. It's it's going to prepare the same day our podcast drops on Friday, March 11th, is when uh, Pixar's Turning Red comes out. Right? We I published my review on Off Color on Monday. It's a phenomenal movie. Please check it out. The cast did a great job. At the end of the day, it is a movie about Chinese Canadians, specifically like specifically Chinese Canadians in Toronto, mm-hmm. who is benefiting from those from those ticket sales and the Disney plush viewership, Disney. <laughs> well and like m- my queen sandra oh got a check and i love that for you sandra i do get your check please also give us an interview okay because i love you i just want to talk to you because you seem cool but like what is it doing for the chinese the chinese canadian community in toronto
2: and i want to talk about though how they always seem to do this with their more diverse films they always them mm-hmm. solely on disney plus because didn't that also happen with that happened with Encanto recently <laughs>
0: mm, no oh. Encanto, I Encanto had a theater
2: Theatrical yeah, release. Yeah. yeah. I remember, oh, but you I, know what? I night, do remember. You know well.
0: Yeah, I remember Disney inviting us to a theatrical pre- like a screening event.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, whereas with uh, Turning Red, because of... With Turning Red, what happened specifically in the context of like Disney Canada, we had to go in an emergency lockdown. So I'm pretty sure they were planning to do theatrical, but they switched later on. But... Raya? With Raya, it was a theatrical release with...
2: what is There is one. There is one that did not have a theatrical no, release. I'm no, no,
0: no. I'm sorry. Raya didn't have a theatrical release,
2: and Mulan either, right? Uh,
0: no, Mulan,
2: Mulan, Mulan, was supposed to. I'm oh no, sure it was about- supposed to, but
1: then COVID hit, so they had the it like is. premium yeah. access release.
0: Um, <laughs> Soul, Soul hey. also Soul also did not have a theatrical release.
2: I knew, I knew there was a line of movies with characters of color who mm-hmm. they were just like shuffling into Disney Plus character, I mean territory only, and they're probably going to continue to do that because in a search for representation, right? We're going to keep we're going to keep clicking.
0: Listen, in in the case of Turning Red, I'm going to say I will I will support a click because that movie that movie genuinely made me cry. It was really well done. But in terms of like other titles, it's. It's really, who, Lord, it's getting to me. Like, if we want to talk about shows and movies and titles that were done dirty, the Owl House on Disney. We have a Latina, like a little Latina tween, queer, canonically neurodivergent, living her best life, going on her magical adventures. And the third season basically got chopped. Wait, Why? What? <laughs> Okay, so The Owl House is a show that was on like Disney Kids or whatever, I believe. Yeah. And it's basically stars a young Latina girl who is canonically queer, canonically has ADHD. Mm. And it's, you know, like following her magical adventures or whatnot. It was doing really well, had a very large following, has a girlfriend, canonically in the show has a girlfriend like openly they went to prom together it was cute as fuck and this uh the third season got slashed
2: wow yeah said and I'm like, too much representation for you guys chill out
0: they said an ethnic a queer and a crippled <laughs> all in the same whoa and before y'all before y'all comment me for saying crippled i am disabled okay it's my slur to reclaim
2: <laughs> it's like, whoa, 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 whoa.
0: <laughs> yeah but like it's really disheartening because i'm like Y'all could do so much, and I know you can, cause I know. Listen, we are like we're not connected with Disney, but like we're like you know the industry is basically the size of a kiddie pool. We all kind of know each other. I know a lot of the folks that worked on those projects. I know a lot of the folks working on other projects. They're brilliant. They could do so much if y'all just gave them the freedom to do it. And y'all have the money to do it. Let's be honest. Just like we know y'all had the money for & Show, we know you had the money for Owl House. We know you had the money for all these other projects. So why aren't you just giving it to them? Cause you know you're gonna get returns on those investments. Black mm-hmm. folks, non-black folks, indigenous people, people of color in North America, we are the largest growing consumer market. We are the largest and have growing been for consumer
2: quite market. Some time.
0: Quite some time. And mm-hmm. it's not just the ones who live here, because we got immigrants coming in every day. We got folks coming into the country, Canada, North America like Canada, US, everywhere. Every day. So why are you not investing in these projects when you know we will show up for them? Because hmm. <laughs>
2: because they don't want to have to acknowledge the reality that they are the waning majority and that the new majority is actually starting to make their presence known.
0: There it is. It's it's that simple, y'all. It's either you give it to us the way we want it or we take it. And if y'all want to check, cuz I know you do, just give it to us cuz otherwise what'll happen is we're going to start doing shit for ourselves. You're going to scramble to do it, do it poorly, and you'll get more you'll get shit on even more for it. <clears throat> so so hire us. Mm-hmm. As we've seen as we saw with um Turning Red, okay? I'm going to bring it back to Turning Red. We had An Asian writer, an Asian-Canadian writer and director, okay? Did the damn job. We had Asian-Canadians on the cast. We had Sandra Oh, we had... is, Ros- is Rosalie Chang Canadian? I'm not 100% sure. Rosalie uh, voices Maylin Lee, the star, the lead of the movie. Phenomenal job. We have Maitri Ramakrishnan.
1: Ramakrishnan, yeah.
0: Maitri. My girl Maitri did not have enough lines. Whoever wrote her lines, we need to talk because y'all paid her dust. But Maitri did a fantastic fucking job on that on that movie. There was slight, there was very slight hint that she might be queer because she was like dancing with a girl. and But like, that's not enough, okay? I want, if Maitri is going to be voicing a character who might be queer, I want my three to have a fucking girlfriend. okay? I need that. These are like these are things I'm saying that we need because we I promise you we would show up for them. And more than that, you could hire us to write them for you and direct them and edit and all that shit. And we would do a phenomenal job. Let me hop off my soapbox. That's that's what I had to say about that.
2: why hop off when you're right.
0: Listen, I'm an Aquarius. I'm never wrong. (laughs) Never wrong. Oh, listen, this could be this could be so long, but we need to wrap this up. So pay pay women of color more. Period. And let's figure out a better way to, you know, certify brighters, black hairdressers, black makeup artists. Warner Media, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you all your your flowers for the black, uh, for partnering with the black beauty roster. I'm here for that. Um, but oh, wait, our segment, Bad Bitch of the Week. Who's your Bad Bitch of the Week?
1: So my Bad Bitch of the Week is actually a friend of mine, uh, Justine Cordillo. Uh, she has a. Um, it's on my mind since we've been talking about hair care and um, women of color. She, uh, she has a book coming out in a couple of months um, called DJ power has something to prove. And that is about Punjabi Canadians. It's a good Hi, episode of Canada. Um, I received my physical arc this week. I have read it um, and it is wonderful. It's, it's just so full of heart. It's so funny. I'm so proud of her. I will be plugging this incessantly in the upcoming months. Um, it's got, it's, it, for all my romance lovers, it's like this wonderful high school debate rivals rom-com. It's got all the kind of representation I could have imagined growing up, more than I could have imagined, really. And it's wonderfully, wonderfully written. So um, Just Mean is my bad bitch of the week um, and of every week. And I will be continuing to shove this book down everyone's throats. So you have that to look
0: forward to for the next okay. two
1: months. Yes.
0: Listen, I got giraffe neck shove away. But, <laughs> okay, uh, just mean love that for you. Uh, I cannot wait. You know what, just mean? Let's. If you want to hop on the podcast for like a little, a video, like a little audio interview, let's schedule that. April, I, will be, I will be bringing here?
1: her. I will be dragging her here
2: as well.
0: <laughs> Listen, we'll schedule that. We'll put it on the Notion timetable. April, who's your bad bitch of the week?
2: My bad bitch of the week is Chloe of Chloe and Holly fame. I know that, you know, we haven't actually been talking about her lately and she hasn't really been doing quotation marks much, but I just want to shout her out because I feel like she's done a lot for um, body positivity, for sex positivity, for just like I just like to see a Black woman so carefreely inhabit her space and her body and her power and her sexuality. Um, and just seeing her come into her own as a solo artist, as, um, you know, a, a fashionista in her own right, because she's in Paris this week I'm um, doing it up has just been really exciting and really empowering to see and I'm really proud of her so yeah
0: Chloe for me. Okay perfect okay and from from my bad bitch of the week I'm going to give it up to uh, Domeshi the director and writer for Turning Red. If y'all don't know about her she's also the brilliant mind behind the award winning animated short Bao Mm. Uh, before Bao and Turning Red she worked on Inside Out she worked on The Incredibles 2 Toy Story 4 like the woman is brilliant An accomplished queen. she has, (laughs) And the fact that she's gotten her Oscar and that she's working on Turning Red and future projects, I love that for her. And I'm so excited to see where she goes. So she's my bad bitch of the week. To wrap up, y'all, what I will stress is, I know we touched on it very lightly, but the situation that's happening with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it is a pretty, pretty significant political event. And if you are able to help or if you'd like to be more educated, about it, we put together a informational Twitter thread. I'm going to link it in the description of our episode today. Uh, please check that out. And in terms of you know things coming up, watch Turning Red. What what else is coming out that people should pay attention to? All right.
2: Well, we have the recommendation from Meha of the books. Books coming out recently. Uh, I think Redemption season two. March
0: 25th. Yeah. Yes, we got to be ready for that. We got to be ready for that
2: i'm trying to think of what else is like
0: i have okay so there's a book there's a book dropping this week called blood scion by deborah
2: oh I Heard
1: such good things
0: yeah listen i they, they sent us a arc for that and it is so good like so so good i am so happy harper collins thank you for the book but um and we also have a <laughs> We're also gonna be interviewing Deborah so uh, this Friday. So you know, Deborah, we're excited to talk to you and y'all make sure you buy Blood Scion, check it out. It's also written by a black woman in Toronto. I love I love that this episode is about Toronto. Like people <laughs> <probably from> Toronto. <laughs> My people, Basically. I'm here for you. Um and you know, Blood Scion is about a young Nigerian girl. She is demigod. Would yeah. she be a demigod? what is what is yeah. She's basically like the demigod to old Yoruba de- deities. Orisha? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Orisha, yes. She's basically like a demigod for uh, Orisha, like for the Orishas. And it's like a whole thing. There's brutal power. There's like identity crises. There's a bloody challenge. It's a lot. It's so good. Check it out. Okay, that's that's where I'm going to end it. Does anyone else have anything else they'd like to add before we wrap up today's episode? Um, You know, be great. Be great. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm. Before we wrap up, these are my parting wisdoms. Be the Jessica Chastain in the room.
1: I like that. Be the Jessica Chastain. I like that.
0: That's right. Yes, Be yeah. the Jessica Chastain. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, y'all. We're gonna see you next time. This has been Off Color Commentary. Bye. This has been an Off Color production.
1: Make sure you follow us everywhere at org. That's color with
2: a U.
0: Check out our Patreon for exclusive content
2: and leave us a review while you're here.
0: Until next time, we're off.